So we all have different fears. I'm afraid of spiders. Some people are afraid of crowded spaces. Others are afraid of throw up. But there's one thing that I think we are all afraid of. Of course, there are a number of things for sure. But one thing that I want to highlight and I think emerges when we look at this text here, something that we are all afraid of is we are all afraid of being exposed. We are all afraid of being exposed. We're all afraid of people coming to discover uh, that we aren't quite what they think we are. We're afraid of being exposed. We're, we're afraid of, of being discovered to be imposters. You know, journalism, a big part of journalism is exposing people. It's saying, this is what you thought about this person. Well, let me show you, let us show you the truth about them. And we're fascinated by that, but I think we're also fascinated by it because we're afraid of it ourselves. We're afraid. What would happen if, if I was exposed, if people saw that I wasn't quite what they thought I was? Some of us are afraid that people, what if people discovered that I'm not really as kind as they think that I am? Right? They see me at church. I'm really kind to people. Very sweet at church. Oh, but boy, if they saw me at home putting my kids to bed, they might have a very different impression. We're afraid to be exposed. What if they find out I'm not as kind as they think that I am? What if they discover that I'm not as intelligent as people think that I am? People look at you, they, they see your, your degrees, your diplomas, the little letters by your name. Oh, but if they knew how close you were, to failing out of that program? If they knew how many caffeine pills you had to take, how many sleepless nights you took, just struggling to get through that program, if only they knew, they might come to discover that they're, you're not quite as intelligent as they thought you were, not as athletic as they thought you were, not as musically gifted. We all have this fear of being Exposed, And I think for many of us, because we have this fear of being exposed, right, it, it hinders us. Like, we don't want to take risks. Right? It's easier to play it safe than to take risks. If you step out, well, then you might be exposed. But if you just play it safe, then nobody will know. Today we're continuing in a series we began last week, a three-week series called Manifest. And it's a series that coincides with the season that it is right now, this being February. As I highlighted last week, here we are situated between Christmas and Easter. And of course, at Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Christ. At Easter, we celebrate his death and his resurrection. But throughout the history of the church, sometimes it's forgotten that there's, there's this great history of celebrating his life, his ministry, what he did while he was here. And what we've seen is that the life and ministry of Jesus is a ministry in which he manifested the presence of God to people. That's what people discovered. Anyone who came across Jesus, as you read through the Gospels, you, you find them confused, saying, this is not just some man, this is, this is God. 
When I'm with him, he manifests the presence of God. And so this is a season in, when, in which we're encouraged to ask God to manifest himself to us, to manifest himself to us as Jesus manifested himself to people as we see throughout his life. Now, the question is, what happens when God manifests himself to us? And even more specifically this week, what happens when he manifests himself in us? What happens when God manifests his presence in us, shines his light in us? And the answer is, we are exposed. If we pursue God and we allow his light to shine in us, it will expose us. That's why I think there's, there's a danger to pursuing God. It's a danger, I think, that everyone senses, even those who perhaps are outside the faith, uh, have not really engaged. Perhaps part of the reason why they hesitate to engage is because even just a cursory understanding of the Christian faith will let you know, you know what, if I get into this, it's going to expose. It's going to expose me in ways that perhaps I don't want to be exposed, that I don't want others to know about. Maybe I don't even want to come to terms with it myself. When God exposes us, exposes us, he exposes us at the core of who we are. In this respect, it's almost, it's more dangerous than the exposure that the world can give you, right? The, the world can expose you, right? That's, that's what we've seen. We're all afraid of this. The world will expose your deficiency of intellect. The world will expose your deficiency in terms of success. The world might expose your deficiency in beauty. But when we're exposed to God, he, he exposes who we are at the very core of who we are. He exposes our selfishness, our insecurity, our pride, our idolatry. So what do we do? What do we do about this? What do we do about this light shining in on us? And I think our natural tendency is to avoid that exposure. We avoid that exposure. We avoid the exposure that the world gives us. We avoid the exposure that God seeks to give us. And I want to highlight four ways in which we avoid this exposure. And these are four things that we've looked at in the past. I'm bringing them up here because it fits in so well with this theme of epiphany, of God manifesting his presence to us. And our hesitancy is going to be to want to avoid that exposure. And I'll give you four ways in which we tend to avoid exposure, exposing who we are in our lives. First of all, we turn the light out. We extinguish the light. In other words, we just don't let the light in on us, right? And we, we do this just in, in all of our relationships oftentimes, right? We have a society that says, hey, this is my business. Your business is your business. I'll keep to myself. You keep to yourself, right? And everything will be fine. Except for it's not really fine. And the reason is because in the same way, let's put it this way. Suppose you have a bunch of people over to your house for a party. And you turn all of the lights out. 
What's going to happen? You're going to be running all over each other physically. If you can't see one another physically, you'll end up harming one another physically. But guess what? If we don't see one another spiritually, we will harm one another spiritually. When we don't know what's going on, it's, it's hard to know. I mean, I'm sure you, when you get married, this is what you discover. You discover there are things that you do that's hurting them. You don't understand why it's hurting them. And then as they reveal more of themselves, you begin to understand why. But until you know that, you're just running over people. And so when you live in a culture where we don't want to expose who we are, then we're a culture that's just constantly running all over one another spiritually. But this is what we do. We, we like to turn off the light. We'll turn a little bit of the light on. Right? That's what Facebook does. Just gives a little bit of who I am. Just a little bit of light. But not really enough for somebody to know me. Not enough for somebody to realize what's going on inside. One of the ways in which we avoid the light is by turning it out, extinguishing it. Another way in which we avoid the light is by projecting light on others, right? So, in other words, one of the ways to avoid light being on you is just to shine it on somebody else. You ever noticed if, if somebody's shining a light in your eyes, then you can't see them? Right, so if, if you shine the light on them, well, then they can't see you. Right? So if you always put the focus on somebody else, right, the way this manifests itself is we just become critical of everybody. We're criticizing others constantly. And the more that we criticize them, it keeps the focus on them and takes the focus off of us. As long as the focus is on them, well, then they, you know, it's, they can't get to what's going on with me if we're always putting it on them. They're always the problem. They're always the challenge. We project the light into their eyes. Let me put it a different way. Do we, are we usually more critical of people or do we confess to people more? What do you do more? Do you confess to others more than you criticize others? I think the truth is most of us, we criticize others more than we confess to others. That's projecting the light. That's shining it in their eyes. It's a way of avoiding the light ourselves. We extinguish the light, we project the light, we distort the light. And here, the analogy that I've used before is, you know, you can get these, you get glasses that will screen out certain colors. There's even like kids' games where you put the red glasses on and then you can't see the red writing, right, that kind of deal. So you put on these glasses and they'll screen out a particular color. And so what we tend to do is we put on glasses that screen out the light that exposes our own sin, our own brokenness. We do this in all kinds of different ways. Right? So you, you could have somebody who, for example, you could have one person who is very pleasant to be around. They're very kind. And when you're with them, they're always very sensitive to say uplifting things. Um, but they're not really very reliable. Like you don't really know if they're going to show up or not. When they show up, it's great. Uh, but you don't always know when they're going to show up. So they're not always very faithful, not always very reliable. Then on the other hand, you can have somebody where, man, they are, if they say they're going to be there, they are going to be there. And sometimes you're like, I kind of wish they weren't going to be here. <laughs> right? Because, they're, I mean, they're there. They're committed. They're loyal. They're faithful. But when they're there, you never know what they're going to say. You, never, it's not, you don't know if they're 
going to say something that's encouraging or uplifting. And what happens is both of those two individuals, what they'll tend to do is screen out what they're doing wrong, right? So the person who's not very reliable, they'll, they'll show up somewhere and, and there's, you know, uh, you know, on-time Oscar, you know, on-time Oscar. Oscar's always on time, always there. And, uh, and, and we'll call, I don't know, um, what's a, a good way of putting it? Fun. Uh, Fun Francis. Fun Francis shows up, and Fun Francis shows up, and, and there's Oscar, what I call him, uh, on-time Oscar. And, and Fun Francis is like, my gosh, on-time Oscar is just a, a jerk. You know, he needs to be more kind. He needs to be more nice. And on-time Oscar's like, how come, you know, Fun Francis is never here on time? When we screen out whatever our own deficiency is. Right, if I can just be a little bit controversial, hopefully I can just upset everybody here. That's kind of my goal right now. But I think this idea of wearing lenses that distort our own kind of deficiencies, this is one way of understanding what's going on in our culture politically. Because what you have is you'll have one group of people that they screen out one aspect of where they're coming from, and, and, and they just focus on something else, right? So, so you might have one group that screens out showing compassion for the unborn. But then you'll have a, another group that screens out compassion for the poor, the immigrant, the foreigner. You'll have one group that uh, screens out the inefficiency of government and and the ways in which government often wastes money. They'll just kind of screen that out, ignore that. And then you'll have another group that screens out the way in which we're damaging the environment. You see, we just screen out that which isn't a part of our perspective. And if you, if you just hang out with people who all wear the same glasses as you, well, then you don't even see it. One of the ways in which we avoid the light is by distorting it, by screening out certain kinds of light that expose our own, our own brokenness. So, what have we got here? We've got extinguishing the light, projecting the light, distorting the light, and finally deflecting the light. And this is where the light is, is shining on us, and we see the light shining on us, and we just deflect it. And this comes in the form of excuses. Right, we make excuses for whatever it is. Whatever it is that we're doing wrong, we just make excuses for. You know, I know I got angry at you but it's because you left the toilet seat up, right? I know I shouldn't have acted that way, but, but here's why I did that, right? So we come up with an excuse. We come up with a justification for why we did that. So we extinguish, we project, we distort, and we deflect. And again, why do we do this? Because we're afraid of being exposed. What will people think if they see what we're really like? What will God think if he sees what I'm really like? Of course, this is where we get to the very heart of the gospel. Jesus came to expose us, but he did not come to condemn us. He came to save us. 
Jesus exposes us not to condemn us, but to save us. This is where Jesus is so different from what we find in our culture. We expose in order to condemn. Jesus exposes in order to save. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Friends, the heart of the Christian faith is that on the cross, Jesus died to forgive you. That no matter what you have done, and I mean that, no matter what you have done, there there is no darkness that Jesus cannot shine his light on, expose, and then heal, and then forgive. We're talking about one who is willing to die for us, which is a way of saying it doesn't matter how bad it is. You could kill me. (laughs) You could take everything from me. And I still love you. Friends, whoever you are, whatever you've been through, whatever you've done, you can come before God, the God that we find in the Bible, the God revealed in the person of Jesus, and you can allow him to expose who you really are. And he will welcome you. He will love you. He will forgive you. We don't expose ourselves. We don't want to be exposed because we don't realize that we can be forgiven of that. But there's another reason why we avoid exposure. And that's because oftentimes when it comes to our sin, we don't want to give it up. We don't want to give it up. This is the verdict, light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Don't shine the light on me. I, I want to keep this going. I like this. I don't want to get out of this. How many of us is it true that some of the way in which we live, we like our selfishness, right? We like our selfishness. We like our materialism. We like our critical spirit. We like being able to look down on other people. We like our sin. We almost can't live without it. In fact, sometimes, sometimes even, it's not even so much that we love it as much as we've become so accustomed to it. It's become such a part of us that we're almost afraid to give it up. It's like I've I've shared this analogy before in the the movie, The Shawshank Redemption. There's a a man in, in prison, and he's been in prison for 50 years virtually his entire life, finally they let him out, and he goes out and he has freedom, and he can't handle it. He'd gotten so used to living in constriction in the confines of prison that now freedom was something he couldn't even handle. It's only he wants to go back to prison. You see, some of us, we get so used to whatever patterns we're in that even though we know they're destructive, even though we know they're harmful, it's like we can't. We can't let them go. We don't want to. We can't imagine being without it. And here's where we see another aspect of the gospel, and that is that Jesus didn't just die to forgive us of our sin. He rose from the grave 
to show us that when we die to sin, it will lead to life. You see, what Jesus is demonstrating for us is that if we are willing to give up whatever it is that we are holding on to, if we will simply abandon ourselves entirely to God, that's what Jesus does. He abandons everything. He gives up everything trusting that if he just follows and is obedient to God, that God will give him life, even if that means death first. When we look at the the story of Jesus, what it reveals to us is that when we are willing to surrender ourselves to God, this is what leads to life because of the resurrection. I want to show you, I think we have this verse here. This is Galatians chapter 5. We can bring it up here. Apostle Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want you to look at that list, and I want you to look especially at the first three. Love, joy, and peace. Isn't that what we're all after? We want to experience love. We want to experience joy. We want to experience peace. And the problem is that we look to everything other than God to find it. We look to our career. We look to our other human relationships. We look to our material possessions. We look to these things thinking that they're going to give us this joy and this peace and this love. And the problem is that the more we pursue that, we realize it doesn't really work. And so what do we do? We get impatient. And we kind of lose our ability to be kind because we're impatient that we aren't experiencing the joy and the peace that we thought we were going to get in pursuing these things. What the Apostle Paul is saying here in Galatians is, listen, (laughs) this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is the fruit of the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He's saying, if you will put faith in Jesus... If you will trust him, if you will abandon yourself to God as Jesus did himself, that's how you will find life. If you will order your life on the pattern of Jesus' life. You see, I want us to see what happens here with the story of Jesus' life. He comes and he exposes, he exposes our sin. Then he goes to the cross to show that he's dying for our sin. And then he rises from the grave to demonstrate that he has conquered sin. And what it means to put our faith in Jesus is then to take our lives and appropriate that same pattern, to allow that same thing to happen in our lives, to allow him to manifest his his light on us, to expose what is broken. Then for us to turn away from that, to turn away from that, trusting that if we turn away from that, it actually will lead to life. And friends, in many ways, that's what the seasons of the church calendar, they give us an opportunity to do that, a regular way to do that. Here we are in the season of epiphany. It's a season where if we will allow God to, he will reveal to us our brokenness. This is a season where we're called to be very honest with ourselves. This is a season where we humble ourselves and say, God, I want you to show me 
I want you to show me what am I holding on to? What are the ways in which I'm living which are not honoring to you, which are not good for me, which are not good for others? What are those things in my life? Where is the brokenness in my life? Reveal it to me. And then we come to the season of Lent. And the season of Lent is a season where we say, okay, I see where I am. I'm going to turn from that. I'm going to give that up. You know, it's, it's become traditional during the season of Lent. People give up things, give up chocolate, alcohol, food, you know, whatever. They'll give up these kinds of things, which is great. I and mean, sometimes for some people, that is, those are exactly the things they really need to give up. But it's also sort of symbolic. It's also an object lesson. It's a way of saying, you know what, if I give up chocolate for six weeks, maybe I can give up some of my materialism in general. If I can give up caffeine for six weeks, maybe I can give up my critical spirit for six weeks. I encourage you, this is a season when we allow God to manifest his light in us, to expose what's going on so that then we can turn from that. And then as we come to Easter, we celebrate. We celebrate that this really leads to life. Friends, I would encourage you, allow God to expose what's going on in your heart. He didn't come here to judge you. He came here to save you. Will you pray with me? Dear God, we come before you this morning and we confess that every day we turn away from the light out of fear, out of pride. God, I pray that the reality of the cross would be imprinted on our minds and on our hearts. You are a God who loves us no matter what our past is, no matter what our present is. God, you love us. You forgive us. And you want us to experience the fullness of life. God, I pray that you would give us the confidence, the boldness, the courage to allow your light to shine into our lives that we might find true healing. We pray this in Jesus' name.